Welcome in, everyone, and thanks so much for joining me. I'm pretty excited for today's episode because I'm going to be sharing four key elements or approaches to a healthy meditation and Dharma practice. These four key elements are a distillation of common blocks I see in mentees and students I've worked with over the years. Uh, They're common points of stagnation uh, where practice can slow or stagnate. They're common points of confusion where when one of these elements or approaches are missing, often people wonder why they're not progressing in practice or what's going wrong or are they doing something wrong in their practice. So I've distilled about 15 or 16 years of Dharma and meditation teaching and the problems that come up into these four key elements of gauging uh, what may be going on in our practice. If we're feeling stuck or we're feeling like something's not quite right or we're not having that same energy uh, going in our daily practice. In my one-to-one and group mentoring work, I'm often going into detail on these four approaches. So if you want to know more about my mentoring work, please check out scotttusa.com slash mentoring. So anyways, let's get into these four key elements of a healthy meditation and Dharma practice. I call these four key elements the four C's. Curiosity, conviction, commitment, and container. And these four C's are not necessarily linear, though I am going to present them in a more linear way today. And sometimes we're not missing all four. We may be missing one or we may be missing two in our practice. And if you're new to meditation and uh, Dharma or, or Buddha Dharma, probably these four don't exist for you yet, <laughs> or maybe they're kind of in their infant stages. So there's no need to like overly judge our practice here or, you know, get frustrated if, if we, we find we're not including these four. I think it's natural that we come in and out of these four. But the whole idea here is that knowing about it, hopefully we can be more proactive in including them and finding ways to include them in our practice. So the first one is curiosity. I talk a lot about curiosity. Uh, Maybe some of you who um, watch or listen to my regular content hear about it a lot. And there's a reason for that. I think it's so precious and vital and valuable an approach to our meditation and Dharma practice. Um, I would argue I think it's vital and valuable uh, to our approach in life to learn to live life from a place of more curiosity. And so curiosity can mean a lot of things here, but really it relates to cultivating an open mind. It also relates to inquiry work where we are asking more questions about our emotions, our thoughts, the world around us than having answers or I could say limiting judgments. Though, of course, depending upon what we're going through in any given moment throughout our day, we need to apply discernment. So I'm not talking about just being curious, you know, and leaving our discernment behind. Actually, I believe discernment is included in curiosity. But what I am talking about here is reducing and learning where our limiting judgments are preventing us from growing, from maturing in our Dharma practice, our meditation, and and our life in general. So the first thing is, is curiosity allows for a more open mind. It allows us to live for more open questions as opposed to fixed beliefs and judgments. From living with more open questions and more curiosity, we can also find more creativity. 
And this also applies to our meditation practice, where often we're putting a form into practice. So I'm not saying we need to necessarily be creative with a form. We can practice the form as it is, as we learn it. But creativity often comes in when we open to that form as an unfolding process, as a way to bear witness to our experience, bear witness to our thoughts, emotions, and reactions, right? As opposed to just being in the reaction. I would say being stuck to and or a slave to our reactions is the least creative thing. It's the least creative way to live because we're just stuck, right? And we're just reacting. We have very little agency in that kind of situation. We're just sort of thrown about by our, our ideas, our beliefs, our judgments, and our emotions. And unfortunately, this is the state of, of a lot of our human predicament. So one of the purposes of meditation and Dharma practice is to open up this stimulus reaction relationship where we start to be able to respond more from openness, compassion, wisdom, and the wisdom of discernment. So for me, this is where creativity comes into play because it's not that we're creating something new in our practice. It's that we start to enter the flow of life and we find so much creativity, fluidity, and flexibility within that. And this all starts with curiosity. I alluded to it before, but curiosity also allows our limiting beliefs to take a rest, to take a break. Because as soon as a limiting belief comes up, it's like all the curiosity is gone. If we believe that limiting belief, you know, if we cling to it, the curiosity is gone. The situation, the person, our, our, our perception of ourself, a thought, an emotion is just that. That is, the, that is our worldview for that moment. And so a big part of curiosity is opening up limiting beliefs. So instead of falling prey to a limiting belief and staying beholden or stuck to it, we ask questions, we inquire, we open up a process of curiosity. And lastly, curiosity towards our meditation practice and the philosophies that inform it allow for a less rigid and dogmatic approach. So when we're bringing in theory from the traditional Buddhist path, or if we practice another wisdom lineage, we're bringing in theory to inform the purpose or meaning behind the meditation we're practicing. Curiosity allows us to discover meaning through putting something into practice, through reflecting on it, basically through not just turning something into another rigid or dogmatic belief. Part of the problem or predicament, or I would say like the human predicament, is we've already become dogmatic with certain beliefs. And so if we replace those rigid dogmatic beliefs about ourselves and the world, etc., with religious or spiritual beliefs, we just sort of changed the tape playing, more or less, if you know what I mean, right? So the, the sound playing is different, but the approach is the same. And I guess in a way... Uh, one reason these spiritual paths exist is to start to break that up, right? But of course, we all fall prey to our habit patterns. So at the end of the day, if we're not applying curiosity to our study and learning of a certain wisdom tradition, Buddhist tradition, etc., um, it has the risk of, of becoming dogmatic. So for me, it's very important to apply curiosity when we're learning the Dharma, when we're studying the Dharma. So when we apply this kind of curiosity and openness, when we're uh, reflecting, learning, studying um, a spiritual path or wisdom tradition, 
eventually we're going to develop conviction. And this is the second C. And there's various types of conviction in the Buddhist path. We have conviction born from understanding, basically a conceptual or intellectual type of conviction. Then we have conviction that comes from practice, where we bring our understanding into our meditation and start to churn our own personal experience and transform. And of course, that conviction is a lot stronger than intellectual conviction. And as that conviction grows further in our personal practice, we could say our direct experience, we eventually grow uh, what's called in some of the Mahayana traditions, yogic direct perception or yogic direct experience, where we start to transcend some of our relationships to suffering, pain, thoughts, self, etc. And I would say that is really the kind of conviction we want to reach. But it's also important to have some intellectual conviction. You know, we don't want to just stay with intellectual conviction, but it's important to have that. So for me, curiosity isn't enough. We need to develop conviction eventually in the Dharma and in our practice of the Dharma. So conviction is not blind belief. Even when we're gaining conviction as an understanding by studying, for instance, the Buddhist path or a Dharma path, it's not that we need to do that through blind belief. In the Tibetan Buddhist traditions, mainly we take the Nalanda traditions from Nalanda Monastery in India into account, which is conviction based in reasoning. So we would be learning certain texts, philosophies, uh, perspectives, and we're using curiosity, right? That first C to investigate and we we weigh it against our own perception, our own experience, what we've learned previously, and we start to develop new ways of seeing the world. And this is still conceptual, but it's really useful and it doesn't have to be blind because it's based on reasoning. It's based on inference through logic. So that has a lot of value and, and I think also prevents the the trap of conviction based on blind belief. So conviction takes time. I remember the first five years that I was studying in the Tibetan Buddhist lineages, and it was really confusing. Uh, there were some concepts I could kind of understand and find some conviction in. And there were certain uh, subjects like the subject of shunyata that I just had you know, no clue, but I liked it, right? And so through steady effort, through consistent study, through consistent practice, Things grow, things change, and our understanding and conviction can develop. Though no matter how much conviction we gain in the deeper purposes of meditation and the Dharma, if we don't apply commitment, which is the third C, we're not going to be able to develop that personal direct experience. That is really the purpose of, of the path at the end of the day. So commitment can mean a few things here. Obviously, there's commitment to showing up to our meditation cushion or practice regularly. For a lot of uh, practicing Buddhists, uh, at least in the lineages I practice, there's commitment to study every day. There's commitment to reading, uh, trying to understand the Dharma, learning new things. There's also commitment to reflecting on what we're learning. And then, as I said, there's commitment to putting it into practice as best we can or learning how to practice something because we might not know right away. So I would really say that's the ground of commitment. But commitment also means our intention that we're cultivating, why we're 
engaging in meditation or dharma practice. And this is sometimes where I see a point of stagnation for people, because sometimes we're still working with our understanding of the dharma and we haven't developed that deeper commitment or purpose within it. So in my opinion, this needs to be one of the key elements or key approaches to our practice, which is developing our intention uh, based in the dharma uh, and growing that intention more and more and forming it and maturing it. And so there's commitment to regular practice, regular study, regular reflection, but there's also commitment to why we're doing this in the first place. There's commitment to growing that intention, to widening it. And so commitment towards our genuine transformation is key. So eventually we encounter key terms uh, in the Mahayana Buddhist tradition like bodhicitta, which is a Sanskrit word that means the mind of awakening. When we go further with the meaning, it means to develop uh, an intention or aspiration to awaken for the benefit of all beings. That would be its basic premise. And so we can start to see here that commitment is not just what we do, but it's why we're doing it, right? It's the purpose behind what we do. So we have the commitment maybe to a daily practice or personal transformation, etc. But why are we doing that? And what does it actually mean to transform? And so in traditional Buddhism, they give us tools to be curious about. They give us tools to first uh, gain conviction in and then commit to. And that commitment to bodhicitta is a big one. It's one that, again, we, we mature in over time. It's not something immediate. Uh, but we first learn about it and we cultivate it as an intention. And then we start to make it more direct. We start to make it more experiential. Uh, but I just wanted to point this out, that this would be the kind of levels of commitment, commitment to what we're doing, but also commitment to the why we're doing it. And really, we can see, just like anything in our life, commitment is vital. Um, if we don't actually commit to anything, we just have this sense of, you know, okay, I'll do it tomorrow or tomorrow or um, in some languages, manana, right? They just say manana, manana. And the truth is from there, we, we stagnate, right? We don't, we don't move along because we're not iterating on our intention, our commitment to practice, why we're, why we're practicing, um, what we're practicing. And so really this, this third C is, is so vital. If it doesn't happen, um, you know, where do we expect our practice to go? Right? So this brings us to the fourth C, which is container. And commitment and container can kind of be interchangeable here. Like I said, these aren't linear um, necessarily, but I would say that the last two are especially not linear because sometimes the container comes first and then we commit to that container. And sometimes we commit to, you know, a simple practice, uh, a breath practice or a practice of taking refuge or generating bodhicitta before our meditation practice. And then, um, and then the container grows, right? As we study the Dharma, as we familiarize with a certain uh, Buddhist lineage a little bit more, or, or a Dharma lineage, and and then the container grows. So, container is uh, partly the what. It's like what are we practicing? What are we doing? But it's also the container that that holds us. So, almost like the 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 what we're committing to, and the why also inform the container. And this is kind of a, a, a large pet peeve of mine. <laughs> I made some content on it before that I, I don't 
think it's helpful to reduce meditation to techniques. Now, are there meditation techniques? Of course there are. Like, how else can we relate to them? There's methods, techniques, however we want to call it. But when it comes to reducing them to a technique, it, it, it misses the container because the practice, when it's just a technique, it's not contained in a wider field of why we're doing something, um, of how it interacts or how it's in relationship to other practices or how it's in relationship to the path as a whole, right? So I would say when it's just a technique, there is no path. Uh, it's, just, it's just a technique and we don't really have a container, right? So just something to think about, just a side note. Another way to think of this is without a container, there's no way to fulfill our commitment because we have no cup to work with. You know, we, we don't have anything that we're following through with what we've committed to. And similar to what I said earlier, I don't think, you know, for myself, definitely, it's not like the first time I encountered Tibetan Buddhism, the container was clear. No container is also maturing and moving and, and shifting based off of what we're working with in our practice or what our teacher is recommending or based on our study where where we're moving next in our practice and or what we're deepening sometimes we don't need to move on from something we just need to deepen what we're doing so this is all related to container and i said it earlier um but really the basic container is learning reflecting and meditating on the dharma Right. And so we include these three. These are often called the three wisdoms because there are three types of wisdom that we're developing. It's the main container for how we progress uh, in a Dharma or Buddhist practice. Anyways, that's mainly what I wanted to share with you for today on these four C's of curiosity, conviction, commitment and container. I'm sure I'll have more to say uh, in the future, but I think that's about it for now. As always, feel free to reach out. I would love to hear what you think about what I shared today. Leave some comments uh, below if you're watching on YouTube, if you're listening on Spotify or iTunes. Uh, feel free to go to my website, send me a message. And if you want to learn more of how to apply these in your personal practice, definitely feel free to reach out uh, to me on my website. You can book a discovery call or just message me there. Okay. Thanks so much. Wishing you all the best in your practice of these four C's. Thanks so much.